Hello and welcome to the Film Pulse Podcast. This is episode number 236. My name is Adam Patterson. Joining me today, we got Kevin Rakestraw. How you doing, Kevin? Doing pretty good. So, all right, good to hear. You? Huh? I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. I can't complain. Finally getting over this sickness. I've been sick for like a week. I was going to say, you sound better. It's, it's not fully gone yet. I still have a cough and I'm still a little bit nasally, but it's, it's, I'm on the mend, which is, uh, which is great, but I still, I don't know, man. This is like, it's like lingering. It's like a lingering flu. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's how it is nowadays. That flu just likes to hang around for some reason. Yeah. Made itself quite the uh, residence inside my body. All right. uh, This week on the show, we'll be reviewing Nathan Williams' thriller, If There's a Hell Below. And we'll also be looking at Jackson Stewart's Beyond the Gates. We'll also be going over some of what we're watching on the watch list. Movie predictions, new on video on demand, Blu-ray releases. Remember, you can join in on the discussion by emailing us at podcast at filmpulse.net or sending a tweet at filmpulse.net. Uh, there was a couple bits of housekeeping that I uh-huh. wanted to go over. Really just, uh, really just two things. Uh, the first is that the Fan Dependent Films Winter Festival is about to kick off. Uh, this one's going to be a little bit different. So if you're familiar with Fan Dependent Films, it's uh, a free online film festival where all of the films are available for free. You can just watch them for free. And uh, viewers vote on which ones that they think should win. And the winners... Uh, Recently, they just did this thing where the winners actually, the number one person actually got a distribution deal out of it. So it's uh, pretty cool. Uh, what they're doing for the winter season is actually short films. So it's okay. going to be all short films. They're going to be featuring 60 short films, and they are taking submissions now. So if you want to submit your short film, you can just go to fandependentfilms.com slash I think it's submission, uh, but just go to fandependentfilms.com and you'll see that there's a giant button there. Uh, normally, it is $20 to submit your film. Uh, however, if you enter promo code FILMPULSE, all one word, you get 50% off. So it's only going to cost you 10 bucks to submit your film. Nice. Yeah, so make sure you check that out. I believe the deadline is December 20th, so be sure to get your uh, short in before the deadline. He... Not a lot I've noticed there, guys. Like, they told me about it, I think, yesterday. So, not given a whole lot of notice here. You give, you get like 10 days to submit your film. But at any, at any rate, it's uh, definitely worth checking out. Um, the other thing I wanted to mention, uh, no, normally I haven't been doing this for a while. We used to actually talk about our Kickstart Sunday picks on the show. Uh, but we kind of steered away from that. Uh, but this week I would, I just wanted to briefly mention the one that we featured, uh, and it's the rooftop films, uh, festival. Well, not just the festival, but just rooftop films in New York city. Uh, I'm a big supporter of rooftop films and they are currently looking for funding on Kickstarter for their 2017 year. Now, if you're not familiar with rooftop films, they're a really great nonprofit organization here in New York that they do free screenings. They do, uh, they give out 
tons of grants. They gave out uh, they they were the ones that gave Ben Zeitlin uh, a huge grant to make a Beast of the Southern Wild. They did the same thing with uh, the Fitz. They they helped that get made. So they they do a lot of good for the uh, the film community, and they're looking for funding to help with their 2017 year. They've been doing this for for over a decade. Damn. And if you and if you haven't been to any of the rooftop films events in in New York uh, when they put them on, it's they're great. They don't just show a movie. I mean, obviously they do it on a rooftop, hence the name. But the cool thing is they always do extra stuff. Like they'll have musical performances and they'll have guest speakers and Q and A's and all this extra stuff that they add to make it more than just a screening. They turn it into a big event and uh, it's really awesome. Uh, I've had the opportunity to go to a few of their events and it's really cool. And I would hate to see, uh, see it go away. So make sure you go to our site uh, and look at the kickstart Sunday section and you'll see a link. Uh, Or if you just search on Kickstarter for rooftop films and uh, consider sending them a donation. All right. Enough of that shilling. Even though we're not getting anything out of that. <laughs> I was about to say, oh, well, shit, we're actually getting something. No, we're wow. not getting uh, – I should, I should note as a disclaimer, we're, we're promotional partners with fan-dependent films, but we have no monetary gain at all from them. So we yeah. just – we help each other out. I think we can even stretch that out to we don't really get monetary anything. No, anything. no, not really. No. <laughs> from nothing. No. No, uh, in fact, uh, more more than anything, we give we 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 pay in. It's like we pay to do this. Oh, <laughs> uh, yep. All right, let's talk about our first film. If there's a hell below, I figured we'd start there just because it's uh, up on my screen. Let's do it. The usual way I pick pick the first movie. Uh, so this is written and directed by Nathan. Or no, I'm sorry. It's directed by Nathan Williams, and it's. It's co-written by him. It's also written by Matthew Williams. I guess that's his brother. I would I would venture a guess. Yeah, it's based on a story uh, by his brother. I have a synopsis here. Abe is an ambitious young journalist in an independent Chicago weekly. He has a, he has a lead on a story that could make his career. Deborah, a woman claiming to work in national security, has a serious revelation to leak. She insists on meeting Abe in a desolate place in the American West, perhaps because it is near her undisclosed worksite or perhaps because she will only reveal her information in absolute isolation. In minutes, they will meet. An hour later, one of them will be dead. This simple premise unfolds multiple layers of depth as the tension is raised to almost unbearable levels. That is, my first question to you, Kevin. That is quite a synopsis. My first question to you, Kevin. Was the tension raised to unbearable levels or nearly unbearable hmm. levels? I mean, I will say that they, he did do a hell of a job of raising that tension. I don't know about almost unbearable levels. I'm not a hundred percent sure what almost unbearable levels are. Like, I don't know if a movie can actually accomplish that. I think that can only I, happen I, I think, in like real life situation. Yeah. I, I think it would have to be so high. The tension would be, have to be so high that you would actually have to just turn the movie off. Like you'd just like, I, I can't, I can't, that's, I can't. That's what I mean. Like to me, almost unbearable levels would be having like a f- just full on nervous breakdown. <laughs> I just like, 
just done. Just, just breaking down. Just completely done. breaking yeah. down. And, and I mean, not recovering for, you know, like a handful of days. Like you need to go to, you actually have to go to therapy because you, this yeah, you would traumatized have, you in such a way. You would actually be hospitalized. Like if my wife walked into the room, she'd be like, holy shit, what's happening? What's wrong? And she would rush me to the hospital. To me, that's almost unbearable levels. Yeah. To take it to like full on unbearable levels would just, I'm, I would imagine a heart attack and death. Yeah. I would, I would, I would assume so. Yeah. Uh, I thought that this, the, the tension was good. That's it, what I'm it saying. Really yeah. was. It's just, it, it really was good. It's just, I don't know, like the synopsis kind of there at the end, you're kind of like, I mean, you're setting the expectations pretty high. You are. You, you definitely are. The thing about this movie is it's uh very, I would assume very low budget. This is, this is a movie where there's not a whole lot of action. It's just mostly conversations and it's just two people having a talk, getting in the car, driving to, you know, a desolate field, having a little chit chat, getting back in the car, driving to another part of that same desolate field. But as the synopsis suggests, there is a lot of tension because he's trying to get this information out of her and she is increasingly paranoid. Uh, and that paranoia kind of bleeds off into the viewer, like you start to think, okay, well, there, there is something going on here. There is something weird about that truck or whatever. And so you start to feel that paranoia too. And it, that, and especially when you discover, okay, it looks like they really are being followed here. There is something going on. Yeah. And that's, that's where the tension really starts to, to kind of build up. Well, plus you also, I mean, going into it, I, I mean, the film's called, if there's a the hell below. So kind of, tips his hand that something's going to happen. Like you don't just mention Helen. It's like, Oh, it's a well, cheery, yeah, cheery film. You, you know, something's going to happen. And essentially you're just, it's, he builds all that tension off of just when is it going to happen? Cause there's so many times where, you know, one of the two characters, either the journalist who's played by Connor Marks or the, the national security employee played by Carol Roscoe, you know, where they're out in the open, they're vulnerable. And you're just waiting for something to happen. You just, you have this feeling that something unexpected and just surprising is going to happen. And it just doesn't over and over and over again to the point where you're just like, make it happen. I can't take it anymore. But I mean that in a good way. Not that I got, you know, bored by it, but it's just, it does, the tension does get ratcheted up. Yeah. And I th I think it was on one of the posters that I saw for this that said like one of them is going to die. So you you know that one of them will die. You don't know which one, yeah. but they say I don't I, can't, I don't know if it was a poster or a, a different synopsis or there, what. But it might be that one poster that has the gun. Yeah, I think that's what it is. The gun with the uh, USB. Which you know you got a gun on the poster. You get it's called if there's a hell below. You, something's going to happen and, yeah. and they just make you wait and wait. And you just start thinking of all the things that could happen. And it just lets your mind go. Let's you come up with all these crazy scenarios. Yeah. Overall, I really enjoyed it though. I thought it was a, a fun little ride. Oh yeah. I mean, uh, it's really impressive the the really, really simple, simple setup and even everything. Like you said, it's just, it's conversations and them driving around in the car. Mm -hmm. And to be able to, you know, get that much tension out of it, it's quite impressive. Yeah, absolutely. Plus the performances were pretty good too. 
They were decent. Uh, yeah, they were okay. I thought that Carol Roscoe was was good at Connor Marks. I was like, eh, not not eh. terrible. I thought the cinematography was pretty good too, especially with the uh, just kind of making that. Even though it's just sort of this vast open field that they're essentially just driving around on all these empty roads, it does have a very menacing feel to it, with just like the windmills dotted. Yeah, and especially that one scene where they get really close, and you you know you have the shadow of the windmill and the you know it cutting through the silence while they're just waiting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought the cinematography was was enjoyable. They really kind of played into the the desolation or the the vast openness of the area. There there are a lot of like wide shots and things that really kind of accentuated the the fact that they were so far out in the middle of nowhere. And uh, I, I liked how it how it ended. Like I liked how it turned out. I, I was a little confused actually by the ending. I, I can't really say anything because it'd be giving away. Mm-hmm. It'd be giving too much away. But I was confused about the very end and what transpired at the the very end. I was a bit confused too. But up until that point, I enjoyed it so much that I was like, oh, it doesn't. Oh, no, it didn't bother me. Yeah. It didn't bother me, but I, I was left thinking that I missed something or like I, I couldn't tell if I missed something or if it was intentionally kind of ambiguous. Yeah, but... which I think does it does lend itself a like a rewatch. It does lend itself well to a rewatch because there's, you know, all the dialogue that's happening throughout. It almost makes you want to go back. And just pay like extra close attention to every single word that's said, because you yeah, because it almost does feel like you miss you missed like a little clue, a little turn of phrase or something. Right, yeah, because because you know all those like little anecdotes and things that are told, yeah, all all play into what's happening in this story. Exactly. But yeah, I was uh, I was pleasantly surprised. I really didn't know anything about this going into it, and. Uh, I kept forgetting the title as well. Like every five seconds, I would forget the title of this movie for some reason. Uh, so this is available on Amazon Instant right now. So you can go ahead and give that a rent. Let's give it a score. Uh, I will give, if there's a hell below, a. Mm, I'll go with the seven out of ten on this one. I would say like it's uh, go like a seven, seven and a half maybe. It's a solid little movie. It is. It is. It's very. I mean, it's just. It's so simple, but man, I just like a lot of the scenes too. Is just the patience that he has with it that he just lets them linger. Yeah, um, there were a few moments. I, 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 was, I hesitate to even mention this because it didn't it didn't end up being this way. But there were a few moments where I was like starting to feel a little uh, a little impatient with what was happening, mm-hmm. how they would just, they, they would keep moving to a location. He would try to get information out of her. She was not giving it. And it was just this kind of, at the beginning, this over and over again, she's looking over her shoulder and being so paranoid. And he's just trying to get information and it's like not happening. And it's like, all right, come on, just go somewhere and tell him what you're going to tell him. This is getting a little bit much, but like right when I started feeling like that, then the plot moved forward and I was like, Oh, okay. All right. Okay. Yeah. And there's, there was a really, I, I thought that there's like a, I even hesitate to call it, it like a, a car chase. Cause I don't want to like throw off the expectation there, but I mean, it's the most just low, yeah, it's pretty... low key car chase that there is, but 
damn, that was tense for as like as low key as that car chase is. Well, there's the, that one fantastic shot when they're checking out the the SUV and then they leave and they you you see behind them, you can see back in the distance that it's gone. And you're just like, What? Yeah. That 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 scene was like really really well shot and just really fun. That was that was awesome. All right, so that's if there's a hell below. Let's move on and talk about Beyond the Gates. Uh, this is directed by Jackson Stewart. I have a synopsis here. Two estranged brothers reunite at their missing father's video store to liquidate the property and sell off his assets. As they dig through the store, they find a VCR board game dubbed Beyond the Gates that holds a connection to their father's disappearance and deadly consequences for anyone who plays it. This is the continuation of the Barbara Crampton renaissance. Yes, it is. (laughs) And I don't know about you, but I was like, this movie seems like it's perfect for Fassenden to show up. But then I remember the rule that they can't be in the same movie. But I was wondering if this movie was going to break that. Yeah, it, it does seem like the perfect movie for for him to be in it, for sure. It just, uh, Bria, it, Bria Grant's in this. She was uh, on the podcast a while back. Uh, she's a really, really cool person. Uh, I'd say that name sounded familiar. Yeah, yeah. We talked, she was on the show talking about uh, this kind of comedy that she directed a while back. It's a uh, apocalypse comedy. Gotcha. I don't know if she co-directed it or co-wrote it, actually. At any rate. Uh, so, Beyond the Gates. This is, you know, reading the synopsis, I was like, oh, man, this is right up my alley. I am loving this. I love everything yes. VHS. And it was so funny, like, when the f- the first, I think it's the first scene of the movie, where it's when they first go into the video store and they're first looking around. Yes. Uh it just made me feel so nostalgic and it really made me miss the days of the video store, just going to the video store and browsing around and find, finding these like really weird, obscure, probably straight to VHS movies and just kind of stumbling onto something, you know, this like great treasure of a movie that you feel like no one else in the world has ever found this movie. And I I love I love that, and I really miss that. I mean, if it, if there's anything about the digital age that we live in now that sucks, it's the fact that the video store has been made irrelevant. Yeah, because that that was like a whole thing. It was a whole thing of going to the video store and right. spending an almost, event. almost an hour trying to find a movie because you would, you would comb through every single thing. You would start with the outside wall of new releases, and then you would venture into the inside. And then, you know, yep. you would get, you finally pick out your movie and then you would go get your food and then you would go home. There's just, yeah, every, every time, every trip was like an adventure. Like you, sometimes you go, like, you know, exactly what movie you want to get. You so you're like, Oh, I want to rent this movie I heard about, or I read about in this magazine. And you go there and it's either not there or it's already rented. And you're like, ah, oh, fuck. So you're, you're really mad about that. So you're like, okay, well, I guess I'll look around for something else. And then you find something that's even better. Like you just stumble on this other great movie. I just, I, I miss that. I really miss that. I'm right there with you. It's not the same uh, just combing through pages and pages of Netflix. I know. Because <laughs> <laughs> you just fall into a stupor where you just keep going. You're like, I'm only going to go two more times, two more pages. 
And then, you know, like an hour and a half later, you still haven't picked a movie. You don't have any time to watch a movie anymore. So even <laughs> if you do pick one, you can't fucking watch it. It's time to go to sleep. Yeah, I hate that. And and now it's like, you know, we, we do – we cover specific movies. Like we're, we're going to be doing this, this uh, upcoming thing that we're working on where we cover a whole bunch of movies by a specific person. And we're, we're, it's like a retrospective thing. We're not ready to announce it yet, but – Going like trying to find those movies, right, is is nowhere near as fun because it's like, okay, let me log into Netflix. All right, they don't have it. Let me log into Amazon. All right, they don't have it. Let me log into Hulu. Okay, they have one of them. Uh, let me log into this other site. Let me do, do Fandor. No, it's like just not the same. It's tedious. It's tedious and it sucks. Yeah, it's just, there's almost too many options now too. Just yeah. so many options. And then there's these like sites. Like the Where to Watch site, which is the MPAA created this site uh, to, in order to hope, hopefully curb piracy. But the problem with the Where to Watch site is that it's bullshit and it doesn't even have half of all the streaming services out there. So some movie you might want to watch, maybe it's available on Shudder. You know, maybe it's some obscure 80s horror movie that's available on Shudder, but they don't have that on where to watch, so you wouldn't know. Yeah. You know, it's like, there needs to be one site that aggregates everything, all of the streaming services, and it shows you like, oh, this is available for streaming on this and that, in addition to rental options too, like on Amazon and iTunes. Yeah. But I don't know if I'm sure it'll happen eventually. I know that the new Apple TV app that's coming out, the it's just called TV, I think. That does that, but just with Apple TV. Yeah. So anyway, getting back to Beyond the Gates. Uh, so it started off really strong for me. I was really into the idea of this these these two kids. Their their dad sort of just disappeared, very mysterious disappearance, coming back to their old hometown. You know, running into kids they grew up with, uh, looking through the old VHSs, they find this VHS board game, which, I mean, come on, that's yes. amazing right there. And then it turns out to be like a, a Jumanji situation. So I was like, all right, this is this is incredible. What, what Unfo- more could you want, really? Yeah, uh, unfortunately for me, it didn't, it didn't stick to landing. I felt like it, for me, at least it was... It got less and less interesting as it went on. Yes. And when I when I realized, like, oh, okay, so this is far less interesting than I... Because I thought it was going to be all kinds of crazy, like, traps and creatures and ghosts and things, like, coming out of, coming out of this thing. And in, in practice, it just was not that interesting. Like, it started off really cool, but the game itself was kind of lame. Uh, and especially towards the end when they actually, when the gates opened, yeah, that I, was... felt, I, felt, <laughs> I felt like there was really no, not a whole lot of closure with it was, the dad. It was really, uh, anticlimactic <laughs> because it, there's it, like one creature that comes out and you're yeah, like, Oh, it was... that's it. And then it turns into this like little scuffle and you're just yeah. like, what? This is, and, and... <laughs> this is the climax is a and, and... little scuffle in the basement. Yeah, so I was really disappointed with that, uh, and I felt like there wasn't a lot of closure with the dad either. I thought that there was going to be something more there because it seemed like their relationship with their father was, you know, shaky. It seemed like there were 
things that happened in the past that, that made their relationship with their father, not the best. And I was kind of hoping that they would explore that a little bit more and maybe get some closure there, but the way, and they, I guess they sort of do, but the way they do is just kind of lame. And yeah. I, I wasn't really into that either. So overall, I would say I was really digging the premise and I was really digging the, the setup. I think that just, the the execution and maybe the final act i was just like uh yeah the final act really it just teetered off for me and it, it's really disappointing because i i like everybody involved in this and i thought that you know the dialogue was was fine it was it was solid uh i just i guess i wanted more maybe they were bound by budget restraints this felt like a really low budget movie <laughs> but even me. with that in mind you know you have like the first, which I, I'm kind of right there with you. Like when this started off and they, they find the game and, you know, you see the setup and everything. I was, because I was a little leery going in. And then, the, you know, they find the game, they get the setup and everything. And you're just like, yes, this is going to be fucking awesome. This is going to be so much fun. This is going to be great. I'm really excited to see where this goes. And it, they, it seems like they just kept, like, they would pull the game out, and they'd be like, let's play it. And they'd start playing, and they're like, ah, let's not. And then they would just yeah. go to bed, and I'm like, god damn it. And then again, they're like, let's play it. And then it gets a little creepy, and they're like, ah, let's hold off. I'm like, oh my god, will you just play the fucking game? And there were so many times where his girlfriend, Marga, is just like, mm, I'm going to go upstairs. I'm just like, well, there was... she went upstairs yeah. like four times. I'm like, just play the game. Let's just get this movie going, please. I know, and there was... The the funny part is that when they got the first key, so the two brothers decided they're going to play it. Where was Margot during all I this? I thought the like same she, thing. She was, she was she was mysteriously gone. <laughs> it was just the two of them playing. It's like, wait a minute. I thought that they all had to be there because they all seemed to be playing this thing. It's like, where did she go? Was she asleep? Was she just upstairs on her iPad? What was going on? Well, that's the thing. Like, She always left. She was just like, I'm going upstairs. This makes me uncomfortable. And I guess that's what happened the first because I thought the same exact thing. I'm like, did she is she just gone now? Or is she still in this movie? And the, the, like the first the first instance of like horror, gore, or whatever, I was like, oh shit. I was like, this is awesome. Because yeah. there's just a shit ton of blood everywhere. Yeah. And just the whole idea of what's happening was just I was like, Oh my god, this is gonna be fun and ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, it was. And then the second key that they find, which I, the other thing that was kind of a bummer is like the keys just end up being right there. Like they just pop up beside them. Like, here's the key. And it's like, man, they didn't really have to do anything. I mean, they kind of do, but they don't really have to go on like any adventure or solve well, a puzzle or anything. It's just they're sitting in the backyard and there happens to be a key in the garden. Yeah, the key, the keys just felt almost pointless to me that that was the other kind of issue i had is that the game itself didn't really feel like a game at all like i didn't i felt like they could have fleshed out the rules of the game and made it more seem like an actual game rather than it looked like a clue board that yeah. they just they rolled a dice and then it, it seemed like it, the the board itself didn't matter at all really what mattered were the cards they flipped over the cards and then something it's just the concept of the game itself didn't really do it for me because I felt like that wasn't fleshed out. Yeah. Enough. Yeah. Plus I just thought that there would be 
there would be some more craziness with the game. Yeah, I, mean, I, like, I thought there was going to be more variety for sure. Like the the keys were, I mean, they were quite something when they would get the key. What would happen? It's just kind of unexpected and just you know, it's like yeah, the head just explodes and it's just <laughs> yes, this is wonderful. And, and but I thought you know there would be some ghosts or some creatures or it's just I thought it would be all out just mayhem of you know they unlock these gates and just craziness would happen but there's just one you know a long-haired guy with some shitty goth makeup shows up in the bedroom for some reason and then like that's it like nothing else really happens with the gate like they don't really unleash that much basically felt like an episode of are you afraid of the dark to me yeah which is it's a bummer because it's a really great premise. And, and I think that it started off really strong, too. Like, uh, I thought that they did a good job establishing the characters and kind of le- giving us enough backstory of, uh, as to what was going on here. We could tell that the brothers were kind of estranged. And I also liked, one thing I, that I liked uh, was the how they kept hinting at some sort of event that happened in the past like Bria Grant was talking about how you know she hurt her wrist and she, she has nightmares and all of this stuff and that he was not drinking and it was like Adele did something go on there and so I like how they kind of built this kind of family drama stuff into it but I felt like they just didn't really do enough with it yeah and I think the 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 putting off of Ashley playing the game it's frustrating. It was it was a bit as like I I understand it that to a certain extent it feels it feels real. It feels genuine cuz I'm thinking, you know, if me and my brother found a game, yeah, we'd probably do the same thing where you know, be like I don't think we should play this and then you might get it out and then you'd be like, "No, nah, I don't want to do this." You know, you'd be hemming and hawing with it. Sure, that makes sense. But when you're trying to entertain me as a viewer, I don't want you know, your movie's ridiculous. It's 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 a hard Jumanji. Like, just play the fucking game. Yeah, exactly. I don't, I don't want realism. Just play the game. Just have shit come out everywhere. Just fucking monsters all yeah. over the place. The, the, just make the walls bleed and have just all kinds of really crazy shit going on. I want to be attacked by bats. Yes, I want that you. I want it to be kind of like Jumanji, where you you know you start playing this game and you just unleashed hell from beyond yeah. the gates. And it is relentless. You don't get to sleep. You don't get to yeah, have like, dreams and nightmares and shit and have time to put your glasses on. You don't get to do that. It's beyond, beyond the gates. You open the gates, right? You don't have time to sleep. It's fucking yep. all-out war. And, and maybe that's maybe that's the problem is that you and I had that expectation going into it. Like, oh, this this okay, it's a horror Jumanji. Mm-hmm. That's what we're doing. Get ready for some crazy shit but and then it turns out it's like uh, oh oh no well even to say you know the when you like i said you have your first instance of horror slash gore or whatever and there's just buckets of blood just all over the place and you're just like oh my goodness i did that was kind of unexpected yeah and then the second time too you're like jesus heads are exploding there's caved in faces there's blood everywhere this is fantastic but then to have that that final scene, you know, that climax of where it's just kind of like, it's just a scuffle, a scuffle, yeah. really. Where we're just kind of yeah. like rolling around on the floor, a little little wrestling action. And it's just like, well, that's that's what we build up towards? Yeah, yeah. Uh, completely, completely with you there. Very, very disappointing. It just, it, 
it was almost there. It was almost there. It just it had just didn't quite didn't quite uh, coalesce for me, unfortunately. So let's give this a score. Uh, I think it's with a heavy heart that I have to give it like a five and a half. I think that's about where I'm sitting too. I was just, I was having fun too. I was having fun, and I just thought, please keep it up. This is this is going to be great. I know, and it just um, it just falls off, and uh, just. Huge bummer, huge bummer. Because yeah. they just they were almost there with it, but uh, that's beyond the gates. That's available now on VOD, so you can check it out. Let's move on and talk about some of what we've been watching. I think it's my turn to start it this week. Yeah. Uh, oh boy, I saw a lot of stuff. Holy crap! Oh god. <laughs> uh, well, I won't talk about all these. Uh, I saw the dressmaker. Dressmaker. Uh, yeah, this came out earlier this year. Got an award screener for this, and I'm still fini- putting the finishing touches on my uh, 52 films by women challenge. And I, so I got this this uh, screener in the mail, directed by Jocelyn Morehouse. So I was like, all right, uh, give it a watch. It doesn't really look like my thing, uh, but I didn't really know too much about it. I knew that uh, Kate Winslet was in it, and it was about a dressmaker in Australia and. I, I didn't even know what time period it took place in. Turns out it was the 50s. Okay. So, FYI. What a weird-ass movie this is. Oh, my God. I had no idea that it was like this going into this. First of all, I didn't like it. But it's such a bizarre movie. The tonal shifts that occur in this movie are like nothing I've ever seen before. Uh, that might be an exaggeration, but it is ridiculous. It's... This dark comedy where uh, Kate Winslet plays uh, a dressmaker who was banished from her hometown as a child because the town believed that she murdered someone. So they they cast her away and she comes back to sort of like get revenge. Um, as an adult. Now she doesn't remember because she was so young when this happened, she doesn't remember what happened. So she's also trying to figure out, if she actually did kill this kid. So she's making dresses for people in town. People are starting to like her again. And all the while she's trying to figure out if she really killed this kid. And some of the stuff that happens in this, it's just unbelievable. Like there's like these, there's violent moments, like bloody violent moments. There's these kind of goofball slapsticky moments there's these super melodramatic things that occur. She she develops a relationship with uh, Liam Hemsworth, and they, they kind of fall in love. And then something ridiculous happens with that. And I just couldn't believe what I was watching on, on the screen. It was so bizarre. Just so bizarre. I almost want you to see this movie just so you can be like, what the fuck? Because it is not like what you would expect at all. You see the like stills. You see, you read the synopsis, and you think that it's going to be this kind of romantic comedy, or not even, maybe not even a comedy at all, just a romance movie. But it is, it is nothing like that at all. It's this really weird Australian dark comedy. I would have never guessed that from the poster and the. I know it's. I'm telling you, it is a really, really strange movie. Um, but but because of these crazy tonal, some of the shit that happens in this movie, you're just like, what is going on? Like, I just wasn't on board with it. I, I get that some people, it might be their thing, like that kind of just really kind of weird comedy. 
But it wasn't weird as in absurd. It was just none of it felt quite right. It also looked like shit to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was not a fan of the cin- cinematography at all. It looked like um, I-, I looked it up. They used red cameras, but the the quality looked so poor. Like it just looked like soap opera quality. I don't I don't know. But anyway, the dressmaker is. Uh, I don't know if it's available yet on DVD or not, but. Uh, was was not my thing. Hmm. Uh, I have a movie by a female director, Rachel Lang's Baden Baden, from this year. Uh, and just ahead, if you're, I number one, I suggest this movie. It was great, um, but don't make the mistake I did. This is currently playing on movie, all right, and mm-hmm. it's part of a trilogy called the Anna trilogy. So Rachel Lang. And the, the main character, Anna, played by Salome Richard. It's three films. The, the, first, the first two are shorts. They're about 20-some minutes. Uh, For You, I Will Fight, and White Turns Make It Hard to Sleep, which all three are, are playing on movie, okay? So I'm thinking this is her feature debut. For whatever reason, I'm thinking, I'm like, oh, it's not like a, like a hard trilogy. Like, I probably don't have to see the two shorts beforehand. But I'm almost certain that watching the two shorts before you watch this is really, really helpful because there's a lot going on in Baden Baden where just it, you get the sense that the director just thinks that the audience knows certain certain personal histories because there's this, it just kind of jumps around. You know, it spends some time with you know this guy that she's seeing, and then it just kind of jumps ahead and she's doing something else, and then. She's with this guy and it, you know, they, you can sense that there's like a history between these two people that you should be aware of, but I have no idea what that history is because I didn't watch the other two films, but regardless of that, it's still rather enjoyable. It still works. I just, I feel like I would have a deeper appreciation for it if I was more clued into what, what's happening here because it kind of follows her from, I think the first shorts from 2010 and then this one's 2016, so it kind of and it's, you know it follows her character over the three films, so it's kind of like you know her life and everything. So the the main thing is her performance is fantastic. It's a wonderful blend of like like hard hitting drama, but just also just comedy, just everyday type of comedy, where it's just like interactions and stuff like that. Like she is, her job is transferring people giving them rides for like this for this movie she's kind of like the chauffeur and she just she gets rented porsche to do her job and she just doesn't return it she just (laughs) she just keeps the porsche and they keep calling her like the car hasn't been returned yet she's like oh i don't know about that Hmm." it's just small stuff like that it's just and then like the next moment it's just you know like a heartbreaking drama and then, boom, it's back to just, like, comedy. I was quite surprised by it. All right. And that's Baden-Baden on Mubi. Yeah. Check it out. Get it. Maybe I will. Maybe I will check it I out think. and watch the, sh- watch the shorts beforehand. It's probably a good idea. I would do that. I saw Vamps in 2012. Uh-oh. This is with uh, Alicia Silverstone and Kristen Ritter, directed by Amy Heckerling. Uh, it's a... <sighs> Man, this is, it's kind of a, it's a comedy about two vampires, two roommate vampires 
just trying to live their lives, just trying to live their lives in the age of the internet and social media. And there is a lot of pop culture references that are way out of date already. And it is, this movie is not funny whatsoever. Hmm. And I, uh, I was not into it, not into it at all. I, I don't mind Amy Heckerling's movies. I was a big fan of Clueless. I was a big fan of Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Love those movies. Uh, not so much European Vacation, but, you know, it's not terrible. Yeah. Uh, I don't really like the Look Who's Talking movies, but uh, it's been years since I've seen them. So, uh, But anyway, this one is just, uh, yeah, it really wasn't my thing. There were, I'm trying to think if there were any moments that made me laugh at all. The only moment that made me laugh was uh, there was... Um, uh, Sigourney Weaver was in it. She she was great. She played like the kind of the head vampire lady. Richard Lewis was in it, and he was all right. And um, Dan Stevens was in it. He played the love interest of Kristen Ritter. And the only part that made me laugh was this joke that he told, where he because they were they're in college, and he he goes, "How many surrealists does it take to screw in a light bulb?" And they're like, "How many?" And he's like, "Bicycle." <laughs> <laughs> for some reason, his delivery of that made me laugh. But uh, that's that's all I can say about vamps. Not very, not very good. But at least you got that uh, light bulb joke in there. It's solid. You can, you can use that now. Mm-hmm. I will. Hmm. Uh, I saw Wiener Dog. Yeah. Wiener Dog. Salons. Little salons action. Little salons action going on. Um. Mm, this one's like okay. Uh, there were there were moments that I enjoyed. I did find it funny in numerous spots. Um, Julie Delphi just being just an absolute terrible parent. The the, the yeah, <laughs> just the con- the conversation in the car and the one where she about the dogs. The the one in the car and the one where he's when the little kid Remy's laying in bed and she's talking about how the dog that she had was raped and that she was in so much pain giving birth and that the other dog just continued to rape and rape and the venereal diseases and the kids like, Oh, AIDS. And it's just like, Oh my God, what are you doing? Why are you saying these things? Classic well, the, Todd. The thing that surprised me, and I think I've said this before is that it's, it's almost a sequel to welcome to the Dollhouse, And which I didn't know, like all of the characters from welcome to the doll or a lot of the characters are in this as adults. And I was, that was one of the surprises. I knew that Don Wiener was in it. Yeah, which and I knew. I knew Greta Gerwig was playing Don Wiener, but I didn't know that the other characters were in it. Yeah, which kind of made it like I knew that too. But it's been so long since I've seen Welcome to the Dollhouse that I don't. I mean, I don't really remember anything from that movie. I went back and watched it after Wiener Dog just to to refresh myself. And man, what a great that movie holds up. Does it? Oh yeah, have, that one does. I'm gonna have to recheck that one. It's it's fantastic. And I just it seemed like it started off really really strong, and then each section just got progressively worse. Like I really enjoyed the first one. The one with Greta Gerwig was pretty good. Thought that that was pretty solid. The Danny DeVito one just kind of didn't seem to really go anywhere. And then the last one, I just. I couldn't was that the it. Ellen Burstyn one? Yeah, the last one? that one. Yeah. I, yeah. Just, I just couldn't get into it. Yeah, I, I kind of I feel the same way. But there was a couple of things that I, I loved the intermission. 
Yes. That might have been the most ridiculous thing I've seen this year that I just absolutely loved. The wiener dog just trekking across so many different backdrops. <laughs> what, is, what is it with the horses? And he's just oh, he's just having such a good time. Just him and his him and his happy gait just walking through those backdrops like it ain't nothing. I it could have just been that, really, and I would have been happy. And then the the this there's, there's I'm sure that there are plenty of YouTube videos that you can find. <laughs> That, that are just that and the the when the kid gets left home alone in the first one and they just go all out tearing pillows apart and what oh yeah yeah it's just ridiculous good fun but it just it kind of just to me it just peters out like like i said each section just gets a little bit worse than the one before it and just by the end I'm, it's kind of like okay i'm kind of dumb yeah that that ending was uh a little bit too much for me. Well, I also thought it was... I mean, I, you knew what was going to happen because it's salons. Yeah, I expected it to, but... You, you know, but it just it doesn't make any sense. That dog doesn't yeah. move for fucking anything, and now all of a sudden it's just like, ugh. It's like, come on. Yeah. Uh, that's Wiener Dog. Uh, I saw Girl Asleep sticking with the kind of quirky comedies. This is the, this is the um, Australian one directed by Rosemary Myers came out earlier this year kind of a weird hybrid of Wes Anderson and uh uh Jared Hess the director of Napoleon Dynamite maybe with even a little bit of uh like where the wild things are that kind of vibe uh-huh. where there's lots of there's lots of costumes that are made of uh, construction paper and things like that paper mache um, you know, I was kind of into this at first, uh, but where it goes, uh, unfortunately, it really didn't do it. I lost interest in it. Uh, basically, it's about this this girl who is the new kid at school. She's not really fitting in. She just feels kind of awkward, and her parents decide to have a birthday party for her and invite everybody from school, and she gets embarrassed, and she gets shocked by this music box and ends up passing out and when she passes out she goes into this kind of uh dream world it's a you know very wizard of oz-esque where all the people in her life are different characters in this world and it's eh, it's okay uh, it's it's unfortunate because everything that was not in the in the kind of dream scape i was really into i thought it was really funny and very very quirky i mean like serious serious cues from napoleon dynamite on this one and maybe even some like kind of taiko watiti style humor in there Hmm. but yeah unfortunately as soon as she went into that dream world i was just kind of checking out Hmm. not not too into that one but overall it's pretty entertaining this is uh, this sounds sounds uh, interesting i might have to check this one out yeah uh if you're into wes anderson and the the style of Napoleon Dynamite. It, this is this is it. I mean, when you see it, you're just like, oh yeah, I get what he was saying there. I mean, everybody's saying it, but yeah. But uh, that's Girl Asleep. All right. I watched uh, Krisha, the movie that yeah, seems fine. to be winning all the awards right now. Is it? Did it? I thought it came out last year. Did it? Did it come out this year? Yeah, it came out this year. Hmm. It must have been at the very beginning. I think so. Because what he just won, uh, Trey Edward Schultz just won, uh, uh, what was the award he just won? I guess it played Cannes, 
2015. Mm. Came, yeah, because he won the Breakthrough Director Award at the Gotham Awards. When, this year? Yeah. Oh, okay. So uh, this one is, this is another movie that starts out really strong. Essentially, family getting together for Thanksgiving. Guess what? This family, a bit dysfunctional. They're not a tight-knit group. Some some stuff happened in the past that they don't really let you in on. But you just know that Krisha, she, she turned her life around. This is her shot. This is her shot to, you know, have this big Thanksgiving with all the family members. And uh, as you can imagine, it goes where you would expect it to go. And at first, it works because of essentially the, the execution of it all. The cinematography, the way it's shot, the music... It's all really disorienting. Um, but as time goes on, he, I, it almost seems like he gets kind of loses control with what he's doing here. And he kind of starts to experiment a bit too much with what's going on because there's not a whole lot going on with the story, with the narrative. So it seems like he's kind of overcompensating with the camera work. And then we start getting a bit, getting a bit too malicky where we're, you know, just kind of like, camera's just kind of floating around and just floating through the fields just well it's just floating through this the, the house that they're staying at is fucking ridiculous it's so huge i've never seen a house this big it's i mean good lord and there's just cameras put and it just tilts up and maybe maybe gets a glimpse of the light in the ceiling which i don't know why you would do that and put it in a movie that's just kind of ridiculous seems a bit unnecessary and we're just kind of floating through and uh yeah and then towards like the very end where it kind of culminates where it goes it just and it seems like this might have been the aim or the intent the the stylized filmmaking kind of just falls away and it kind of gets like gritty because you know i guess the the atmosphere calls for it for it to just all of a sudden get gritty just abandon the stylized filmmaking and it just it just felt like it came out of nowhere and it just felt like it didn't fit it just felt like mm. it came became a completely different movie and it just seems like because they don't really discuss a lot of like what the past is like you have an idea but you don't have a full-on understanding of what happened <clears throat> and the for me at least i'm just like damn this is a bunch of rich people overreacting like chill out like just chill. let's just chill out, okay? Chill out, bro. Let's just cool it. You know, it's not the way things would happen in my family, but I mean, it's definitely worth checking out. It's just, it's just, I, you know, it's it's another one of those movies where it just it kind of, you know, falls apart at the end. Yeah, it's unfortunate because I was really, I was really excited to see that one. I didn't get a chance to watch it yet, but I think you'll enjoy a lot, a lot of it. Uh, I'll be interested to see if you what you think of the, you know, towards the end of it. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and that's Krisha. I saw of dolls and murder. This is a documentary by Susan Marks. It's about, it's about forensics and it kind of goes through the history of, of criminal forensics and how a uh, crime scene investigation has evolved over the years. And it focuses on this woman by the name of Frances Glessner Lee. And what she did uh, in the 30s and 40s was uh, she basically made what are called nutshells. Uh, basically, it's dolls, like reenactments. She would reenact, recreate 
uh, crime scenes using doll furniture and dioramas. And when you see these things, they are incredible. The meticulous uh, accuracy that she made, that she created with these crime scenes. And they're, I mean, they're very morbid, but they were used as a, as a teaching tool because she grew up uh, within, the, within this very wealthy family and she was actually not allowed to go to college. She wanted to go to college very badly. She was not allowed to go to college uh, so she kind of compensated by just starting to do this, and then she ended up becoming an, like an honorary. I think she ended up becoming like a captain or something, um, because she became an expert in forensics, and she created these nutshells, as they're called, in order to help teach forensics and. Basically, you the they they're still using them actually to this day. Um, they're in Baltimore, I believe, <laughs> and it's narrated by John Waters, so that's definitely a plus. But unfortunately, the 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 movie itself just it's not the only entertaining parts I found were when they were talking about the nutshells and showing them because they they are fascinating. They are really fascinating. Uh, <laughs> I mean, they're, they're like they're works of art. I mean, they, they look so, they're so cool, um, but they they kind of sidestep that and talk about CSI a lot. The show CSI and how the show is how it's affecting uh, forensics in real life and the accuracy of the show and all of this stuff. And I was just I don't I don't care. Like I just I didn't really care about that. It just wasn't that interesting. Uh, pretty it's a pretty poorly made documentary too like it just doesn't look great but the information is somewhat compelling so Hmm. maybe a light recommend you know what i would say if you if it sounds interesting at all just look up francis glessner lee and look at some of the you can look at photos of some of the um nutshells that she did she did like 40 of them or something Uh, that's the that's the good part of it yeah, but uh, the the documentary itself, I would say no. But you can watch it for free if you want. It's on YouTube. It's called Of Dolls and Murder. Hmm. I'm going to have to look up those nutshells. Yeah, I think you'd be interested in them, definitely. Hmm. That's all I got. I'm done. All right, so I'll breeze through these uh, real quick. I saw Ghost in the Machine. This is from 1993, directed by Rachel Talalay. This was one that I'm surprised that I never heard of before. Or maybe I did and just never sought it out. Um, It's a thriller. It's like a horror thriller about uh, this serial killer called the Address Book Killer, which is utterly ridiculous. Uh, Through a series of events, he ends up getting killed and his consciousness goes inside of a computer yes and and he's able to like hop from computer to computer and in sort of go into electronic devices and like haunt these electronic devices so it's sort of like shocker the movie shocker it's sort of transcendence the that johnny depp one which i didn't see but it seemed similar this sounds amazing Maybe a little bit of Lawnmower Man sprinkled in there because it's all about technology. Like the the main character is this this young kid. He's it's like this thirteen fourteen year old kid, and he's all into computers and he's into 
virtual reality and all of this stuff. <laughs> so it's, it's it's so 90s. There's lots of internet references. Like this is this is back when the internet just started to become a thing in yes. homes. Yes. So there's there's like scenes where there's this one scene where this guy's he gets home from work and he's trying to log on to the internet and it's doing the dial up stuff and then he gets terrorized by this guy that's invaded and that's in his computer. Super cheesy. Uh, oh god. Really fun. It sounds incredible. Oh, the other movie that it reminded me of is actually Final Destination. Uh, and the reason I say Final Destination is because it, what he does, because he can't just kill people directly. So he kind of sets up these Rube Goldberg death, uh, you know, <laughs> machines sort of that <laughs> cause people to, to get killed. Uh, but yeah, it is, it's pretty great. It's, <laughs> it's, it's terrible, but it's amazing. So, yeah, I would recommend checking out Ghost in the Machine. Uh, I saw Christine. I imagine that you'll be seeing this one before the end of the year. Oh, so, yeah. I'm pretty excited uh, for this one. Keep, I'll keep my comments brief on this one. Wasn't that into it, honestly. Okay. We'll talk about it later. But uh, really, it really didn't do it for me. There were, there were certainly aspects that, that I liked a lot. The performances were solid. But I was just like, eh. It was it was uh it was okay I guess was it a story that needed to be told I'm not sure I I didn't see Kate plays Christine and I have a feeling that the way they go about it is probably a lot more uh, effective but I liked uh, Antonio Campos's directing in this I thought he did a really good job I saw Fatal Frame this is uh, the f- movie adaptation of the video game series. Uh-huh. Which one? Yeah. 2014? Yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah, this is directed by uh, Mary Asado. Uh, this one was interesting in that it is nothing like the video games. It's so loosely connected to the video games. The video games were terrifying. Yes. Now, I've only, I, haven't, I don't even know how many of them there are these days, but the one that I think we played Fatal Frame 2 is for PlayStation 2, maybe, or... Yeah, I think it was PlayStation 2. Remember that? And it just scared the shit out of you and me and Ryan. Just a horrifying game. Horrifying. Absolutely. This movie is not horrifying at all, and I wouldn't even even classify it as a horror movie whatsoever. It's more of a teen drama, if you can believe that. It's about the... It takes place in a girl's boarding school, and uh, there's this this one girl, this very popular girl that everybody loves... Mm -hmm. And for some reason, she locks herself in her room for months. She's been in, locked in her room for months. And she refuses to come out. Well, what starts to happen is girls start to go missing. And a bunch of them end up dead. Mm. And so it's sort of like this mystery. But it's also this kind of weird, almost a, almost lesbian love story. It's it's a very odd movie, but I liked it overall. It had a really great score to it, too. The music was really good. It just wasn't at all what I expected. There is a supernatural element, uh, and which is okay. It's just it's not scary at all. Like I don't even know if it's meant to be scary necessarily. Yeah. Uh, but 
the there's something that happens towards the end. Once you find out what's going on, there's this giant info dump of exposition at the end that just explains everything. And I was just like, you guys couldn't have come up with a more organic way to present this. I mean, it's just like the last 20 minutes of the movie, straight info dump. Nice. And I was just like, all right, this is it's a little too much. And the motivations of one of the specific characters, I'm just like, I am not buying this at all. But either way, I found it to be pretty pretty entertaining. So I'd give Fatal Frame a uh, light recommend. The only other one I'll mention is OJ Made in America. Oh, yeah? Uh, yeah. Uh, so I, I watched that uh, this, this weekend, the 463-minute documentary on OJ Simpson. <laughs> it's out of control. It is a long, long movie. But here, here's the thing. It's probably one of the best documentaries, probably the best documentary of the year. It's fantastic. Uh, I thought... I wasn't I wasn't too interested because I felt like I knew pretty much everything that I needed to know about O.J. Simpson and the trial and all of that stuff. Um, one thing, this doesn't just focus on the trial; it focuses on his entire life. It starts. Uh, it starts. Actually, I think it starts when it starts when he's playing football at a city college and then gets recruited to USC. So that's kind of where it begins, and it goes all the way up until now, like present time when he's in, he's in jail right now. Uh, just utterly fascinating. The, the way this is an ESPN film. So, you know, that they bring a certain level of quality to their, to their movies and the, just how this was presented and how meticulous the information was and how, I mean, this is such a deep dive and, it wasn't just about OJ. It was, they kind of drew parallels between what was going on with OJ and, then what was happening in society at the time. They didn't, it wasn't just in uh, the nineties during the trial, you know, when the media was just hyping this and it was just it, everything about that trial just was, it just spiraled out of control and it was just such a media circus. Yeah. It wasn't just about that. It was, uh, when he was playing football in college in the '60s, and people like uh, black athletes like Muhammad Ali and Jim Brown were boycotting the Olympics and and saying that they they're they're not going to play anymore um, because they were f- protesting against the draft and Vietnam, and they were getting involved in the civil rights movement. And OJ just didn't want any of that shit. Like he was like, nope. And it was really interesting how he never thought of himself as a black man. Anytime anybody would ask him, he'd be like, I'm not black. I'm OJ. Like he, he kind of transcended race and how once he was one of the first black athletes that was getting big sponsorship deals. Um, And he had this huge campaign for Hertz that he did and Chevrolet and how they, they interview the, the people that hired him, like the marketing people, and they talked about how they would deliberately put all white people in the ads with him in order to make him seem more white and appeal to white audiences. Hmm. So it was just fascinating how he was sort of groomed into this white culture and like where he lived was predominantly white when he... 
um, went and played pro football, and then when he started his acting career, and just how he assimilated himself into white culture. And then the trial happened, and the whole trial was about race. I mean, that's why he won, because, or why he was found innocent, rather, because what happened with Rodney King, and this was sort of, you know, the 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 jury was predominantly black and it was a lot of people surmise and and actually they interview the jurors and one of the jurors just flat out says it was because of rodney king i said he was innocent hmm. because of rodney king and it, so it was like them getting back at this 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 um horrible injustice that they they faced just a, a few years prior and so there, it was just there were so many fascinating things about this documentary like i I know it's long. It's a long ass documentary. There's two intermissions and it's, it's quite a time commitment, but it's so excellent. I know because I keep hearing so many good things about it and it's popping up on the top 10 list everywhere. Yeah. Just like, but that runtime though. (laughs) Well, the, the thing is it's broken up into parts, so it's pretty easily digestible. It's not, it's not okay. like uh, it, it, it does have a flow to it. So it's not like they just straight up broke it into episodes or anything like that. Because I know this was – it was shown on TV. Yeah. Uh, but but – it Can someone condense it into like an hour and a half? <laughs> That'd be cool. That's, see, the thing, the, the thing about it is though there's so much. There's, oh. there's, there's so much to tell. And to me, to me the runtime – it feels right. I mean, there's just, there is a lot going on in this. I mean, it is. Yeah. A lot of information to go over. And it's a huge career. I mean, like I said, they, they start from his freshman year at college and go all the way up until now. And he's what his sixties or whatever. So it's, it's a big movie. It, and it, it's wasn't, just, it is funny because it's one of those things that if you broke it into episodes and threw it up on Netflix, I would devour that shit in like day and a half. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But, but, if, if, but if you put it all together and you're like, hey, this is a film, I'd be like, no fucking way. I ain't doing that. Yeah. So I got it in, I got it in the mail and, and it's on two two DVDs. It's oh, split on two, 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 two DVDs. And, the, and, and on the on the, on the the front, they, they have their runtime and it's like the first disc was like three and a half hours and then the second one's like four and i was just like oh man <laughs> but i want to tell you i i did it all in one day i on saturday i i did it all i did take a break i took a, a really long break wow in between but i watched the, the whole first disc and then i came back and watched the second one later in the evening wow but it's it's fantastic can't speak highly enough about it it's it's great all right let's move on and talk about some predictions. Last week, office Christmas party, you said 52, I said 56, actual 43. Okay. All right. La La Land. Something about that. I just, I don't like the title. Uh, I hate that. I hate it. I hate it. Not, you said 91, I said 94, actual 96. What? Yeah. Jeez. Next week, we got a big one. What's that? Rogue, Rogue One, a Star oh. Wars story. Oh, boy. I, just, so I, love, I love this such a vague subtitle, a Star Wars story. Aren't they all though? Aren't they? Well, all I think Star Wars I story? think that the a Star Wars story is supposed to designate it as not from like a, from from the main from the main story. Gotcha. Because because something tells me that they're going to be 
all of the side ones are going to have a Star Wars story in there, gotcha. I think. I think they're all going to have that subtitle. They should. It'd be weird if they didn't. I hope it's just this one. <laughs> uh, this one, I I mean, these are really actually really hard to predict because I'm sure that it's going to be well-received, but the question is how well received is it are we looking at is this going to be in the 90s is this going to be in the 80s because you because you have some contrarians out there that will hate it no matter what yeah and then you have your 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 fanboy critics out there that are going to love it no matter what that's probably i'm but, probably more in the fanboy camp but also you'll have the fanboys that are going to hate it because it's not exactly what they wanted or what they expected yeah. it to be because so they, tough. because like three years ago, they actually wrote a script about this, and it didn't, it didn't stick to their script at all. <laughs> and they put fucking hours and hours into that shit, and they didn't even get asked for input. I think it's gonna be, I think it's gonna be pretty big. So I'll say eighty-seven percent on this. I'm gonna say, I'm gonna go. Oh, you're going eighty-seven. I'm gonna go eighty, eighty-five. All right. I'm pretty excited. So the Alamo Draft House opened here in New York. There's, uh, it's in Brooklyn, and they're doing a limited edition uh, pint glass, mm-hmm. Star Wars uh, Rogue One pint glass. No more. And if you're if you're one of the few that got, that get in opening weekend, you get one. And uh, I was I was able to reserve reserve Holy them. Shit. So it'll be so it'll be my first time going to the. Alamo Draft House here in Brooklyn and or in Brooklyn. I'm not in Brooklyn now. And uh Cool, cool. Good for you. Good for you. I'll probably go to like a Regal or some shit. It's, well it's it'll still it'll still be a good experience probably. I'll sit in like nasty popcorn. I'll have to sit beside some guy that takes a business call. <laughs> yeah, there finished. there definitely won't be any of that. At the draft house. I mean, I'm probably going to get myself a milkshake, maybe some chicken tenders. Ooh, I got to eat something. I'm hungry. Uh, next week, that's, I mean, because of Rogue One, that's pretty much all we got going on next that's week. It. That's it. Yeah, they uh, they don't, they give that some space. Yeah, if you try and come out with a movie on the same weekend as Rogue One, your balls are fucking huge. Like, that is just a fucking ballsy movie. Be like, you know what? I'm doing it. Well, the, Star Wars. You're gonna... uh, that that Will Smith movie, Collateral Beauty, does Which... come out. <laughs> have, you seen the, have you seen the Have you seen the trailer for that? <laughs> I honestly thought that this was not a real movie. Oh, but this is a real movie. There's a lot of movies coming out recently, like over like the last year or so, that are just like they don't seem real. Like I just don't understand how they're made. They seem like joke movies that should be. Like playing in the background of like Thirty Rock or something. That's like a joke. <laughs> the Royal Juror. Yeah, something like that. But they're actually being made into real movies. Yeah. Uh, Collateral Beauty. I don't know. This this movie just does not look great. Uh, Manchester by the Sea is getting, I think, a wide release next week. So if you haven't seen that, dear God, go out and see that. It's one of the best of the year. Absolutely. Gotcha. All right. Uh, I'm trying to see what else. A Kind of Murder. It's a movie I saw at Tribeca. It's not great. Uh, that's pretty much it. Let's move on to VOD releases. This is for... Oh, God. What do we got here? The 13th. 
We have Girls Lost, Counterclockwise, Try, Stevie D, Kill Ratio, and then on the 15th, we have Alley Cats, and then the 16th, we have, wait, is the, sorry, what, what's Friday? Huh, I'm, I'm, am I jumping too far ahead here? Friday is Yeah, the, Friday is the 16th, so we're yeah. still good. So the 16th, we have The Hollow Point, A Kind of Murder, and uh, that's it. Yeah. So once again, ton of VOD stuff. I'll have to sift through that and see what's worth looking at. Probably not a whole lot of those. Just yeah, probably not. If I can remember to when I added them to the calendar, none of them really piqued my interest. Next week on Blu-ray, we got Southside with You. That's the uh, Barack Obama, Barack Hussein Obama movie. Is this is this the one where he's in college? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. It's the uh, one where he's. It's like I. I think it's their first date. Him and Michelle. Uh, all right. What else do we got here? Clown Forever comes out. Uh, not too into that one, unfortunately. Let's be evil. Suicide Squad. Equity. Uh, slash. Uh, no pay. Nudity. Uh, Shelley. These are all ones that I probably not really recommend. Bridget Jones's Baby, Florence Foster Jenkins, Arrow is putting out Creepshow 2. I didn't like Creepshow 2, unfortunately. Uh, Morgan, that sci-fi one. It looked pretty generic. Uh, that's pretty much it. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the big one's really Suicide Squad, which is not worth buying. Yeah. Any criterions next week? We got two. We got John Huston's The Asphalt Jungle from 1950. Mm. And we have Fellini's Roma from 1972. Ooh. Both popping up on a Blu-ray there, which they uh, they both look good. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that that's going to do it for this week. Thank you so much for tuning in. You can send us your questions and topics to podcast at filmpulse.net. You can follow us on Twitter at filmpulse.net and at filmpulsekevin. And if you have a minute, take a look at our Patreon page, patreon.com slash filmpulse. Consider helping us out by becoming a subscriber. For Kevin Rakestraw, my name's Adam Patterson. We'll see you next week.